You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. All right, today we are back in the book of Revelation, and we are looking at chapters 6 through 7. So, uh, if you have a Bible, I hope that you're looking at that sometime this week. And um, and let me just get into it. So, chapter 6 and chapter 7 cover the seals. And to catch you up on what we've talked about so far uh, in Revelation, chap- uh, the first time, the first week, uh, I won't say that really the first week. I'm, I'm covering this on a weekly basis, but uh, we're just doing these as, po- as, as episodes. So, first time we were in Revelation, we looked at chapter 1, and we looked at the fact that Revelation is multi-genre. It's apocalypse, it's letter, it's prophecy, and it's meant to reveal Jesus and meant to reveal how Jesus operates, is going to operate in the last days. He's coming back. He's powerful. There's a cosmic conflict with God and Satan. And in the end, Jesus wins. That's the point of Revelation. And this is why this book should not be taken from us, because, listen, this book was meant to encourage the saints, God's holy people, the church. And then we looked, and and the next time we looked at the letters to the churches, we looked at seven letters to the seven churches, and we found out that, you know, Jesus has words and, uh, you know, of encouragement and rebuke for each local assembly, almost every local assembly, and they were going through trials. They, they were tempted to walk away from God. They were tempted to call Caesar Lord and not Jesus. They were, they were tempted to cave to the cultural pressure that they were under. And so Jesus writes to them to encourage them to stay faithful. And then last week, we looked at the throne room of God. We looked at uh, the heavenly scenes. We looked at how John was invited to come up here, and he does. And he sees a throne with lightning and all these weird creatures worshiping, circling the throne. They, they never stop worshiping God. And, and, then, we, the, and then the zoom, uh, the, the scene gets a bit clearer as we see uh, a lamb standing next to the, the throne. And, and uh, the lamb looks like it was slain, looked like it was offered up in sacrifice. And so this lamb takes the scroll and begins to open it. No one else is worthy to open it because, um, you know, they're, they're affected by sin. But we have the sinless lamb of God who can unravel history for us and tell us what's really going on. And so that's what this week is. It's the sixth seal or the seven seals now the seven seals uh here's what they are i'll just i'll just give them to you the first one is conquest the second one is no peace it's it's because people are killing each other the third one is famine then pestilence there's more death there's more killing and then you see uh, for the fifth seal you see the martyrs all throughout the church age there will be martyrs and then there is an earthquake where the cosmos rip open. And this is the end of the world, literally the end of the world. And so the seventh seal is silence. And the seventh seal serves to introduce the trumpets. And what I would say about these seals and what they represent, they're different. This is a supernatural part of the Bible, which means that there is a lot of controversy, a lot of disagreement, even among scholars as to what it means. I, and I don't want to I don't want to sound tongue in cheek about that. Um, there are a few 
well thought of ways to view this passage. And so I don't want to seem like, oh, there's a certain set of scholars that are just lazy and they believe this, you know, those dispensationalists, <laughs> right? I don't want to do that, but I just want to be fair and say uh, a really good resource to look at is the ESV Study Bible. Um, this is the only study Bible I've seen so far that consistently lays out the different viewpoints in their notes uh, when we come to passages like this. But if you were to ask me, like, okay, well, what's a way to interpret it? We need to do something with this passage. Here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to adopt a natural reading of the scripture. And a natural reading of the scripture involves us not imagining things that are not there, um, we don't want to add to scripture and we don't want to take away from scripture. And, and in the middle, we want to understand, we want to remember that the Bible interprets the Bible. And so if you dig into this, Revelation chapter 6 parallels Matthew 24, where Jesus is telling us about the end of the world. And he, the disciples, they come to him and they're like, hey, what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They ask him two questions. And so Jesus, we get Jesus' final discourse in the Gospel of Matthew. And he says, well, there's going to be wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be betrayal. There's going to be, so that means martyrdom, uh, for you know, because brother will betray brother to death. Um, and, and all these things will mark the end of the age. And the question is, when did these things start happening? Well, they've always been happening. They're happening right now. They happened in Jesus' day. They've been happening for the last 2,000 years. And so Jesus answers this question in a way to, to not really give us a timeline. I would say, though, this is just for free, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says that in the last days there will be you know, difficult times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, not lovers of God, disobedient to parents, etc., etc., etc. And if that was the case back then, it's far worse now. And so Jesus uses the language of growing pains, Right, how these there are these contractions that are going to grow more frequent toward the end, and so we can expect to see a lot more of this um, as we as we race toward the end. The point of these seals is that Jesus understands, knows, and reveals history. All of history is about Him. All of history, it, it, it's going to culminate in Jesus Christ. And then we get into chapter seven. Oh, and by the way, I, I don't want to. I don't want to end chapter six by 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 just pointing out um, when the heavens bro break open and you know the uh, everyone hides like mountains flee from the Lord. There's no hiding place for anybody. And the question that chapter six ends with is who can stand? Who can stand before the the, the wrath of the Lamb? And so. I, I just want to point this out. The wrath of the Lamb and the, la and, the and, and the Great Tribulation are not the same. And however difficult the Great Tribulation is, the wrath of the Lamb is far more scary for those that are enemies of God. For those that are enemies of God. This is a good segue into chapter 7. Chapter 7 gets into the sealed. And there's all this debate about who's who in chapter 7. Who are the 144,000? Are they the nation of Israel or are they the church symbolically? Well, what John does this often in the book of Revelation where you see one thing and then boom, the scene switches to something else and there's more, more of a perspective. And so I don't believe that we can divide chapter 7 in half and say... You know, the first part belongs to Israel and the second part belongs to the church. Because in chapter 9, the, or verse 9, and this is the most important part of chapter 7, we read uh, that there is every tribe there, every language, every tongue, 
worshiping the lamb. And so this 144,000, this crowd uh, that, that no one can number, that's 144,000. Some of you disagree and you would go to Revelation chapter 14 and you would say, see, they appear here again. They appear here again. And again, we don't need to be militant about this. I'm just sharing with you my interpretation, my agreement with, um, you know, some of the scholars on a interpretation. Relax. Um, But the point is, in heaven, God's kingdom is going to be filled with every nation, every culture, every language. In fact, I think in chapter 19, uh, I love where it says that the kings of the earth will bring their glory into the new heaven, the new earth. Right, like that, like the best of the best from the nations we brought into the new creation. So the things that you love, that are of God, that are wholesome, they're going to be in the kingdom of God. They're going to, they're going to come with us. And I just want to be clear here, even though I believe that the hundred forty-four thousand represents the church, I don't believe, I don't adhere to replacement theology. I still believe in Romans eleven, where Paul says, "Look." God still has a soft spot for Israel. God still has some unfinished plans for Israel. God still has some unfulfilled prophecies concerning Israel. And the way we should st- think about our family unit faithfully is that they are the tree. They are the roots. They, they, and, and, and we are the branches that are grafted in, us Gentiles. We're one tree, right? We're not a whole other tree. We're one tree, but we've been grafted in. And so when the New Testament talks about us, sometimes it talks about us as one and the same. Paul, t- Paul does this in Romans 2 where it talks about um, uh, the, the new Israel, right? The, the spiritual Israel, those who are really Israel, right? Those who may not be circumcised but are circumcised in the heart. This is how the new covenant, the New Testament, talks about us. It's not replacement theology. And another thing to remember in chapter 7 is they are uh, why they are sealed. They are sealed because God is protecting them. While God is raining down the wrath of God on the earth, guess who doesn't experience that? His people. Much like Egypt, much like Israel, when they were in Egypt, God is raining down plague after plague after plague, but the Israelite camps were safe. This doesn't mean necessarily that we'll be saved from the great tribulation, but we are saved from the wrath of God. Because, again, all throughout Revelation, no matter what view you have, you're going to run into martyrdom somewhere. Somewhere. Even in the songs, you're going you're gonna to run into them. Happiest parts of Revelation, by the way. Um, and chapter 7 ends with a final picture of, of the end. Like, this is heaven. This is heaven. In the seventh seal, it serves to introduce the seven trumpets. And so... At this point, the book is going to begin to recapitulate. And what I mean by recapitulate is it's going to repeat itself. So you have seals, you have trumpets, you have bowls. And they are reiterations of each other. And and, and here's how they're different. I I think I'll revisit this, but in the seals, there's a third of destruction. In the trumpets... Or sorry, in the seals, there's a fourth of destruction. Every every fourth of something is destroyed. In the trumpets, a third is destroyed. And in the trumpets, there's complete destruction. So we're reading about the same events, but in greater, more dire detail. 
That's Revelation chapter 6 through 7, talking about the sealed. I will see you next time. God bless.